glad to have you here today. We'll get started in about two minutes. Let's read our verse together today. It's Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. going through this series on being a role model. I know we like to shift the blame and responsibility to God, but God holds us responsible for our lives. You are a role model whether you like it or not. People are watching your life. Even your neighbors, who you may not even know, are watching your life. They see when you come. They see when you go. They see how you talk to your spouse when you're walking out and you're frustrated or happy. And they see what all the things that go on in your life. And they're, you're a role model. They see how you drive. They see you around town. They see what you do. I can't tell you the number of people that have walked up to Cheryl and said, oh, you're that walking lady. You know, <laughs> they see her out walking all the time, every day. And so, you know, those are testimonies and the people that she walks around. So they'll come out just to say hi to her. And if, ever, if you ever need anything, like is in people in Cornerstone, or is it not Cornerstone, no, Stonegate. Uh, the, the, the retirement center that's in there, they're like, if you ever have a problem, you just come and knock on my door. You, if you need anything, you just come out here. It's a wonderful testimony. Yeah. But for all of us, that's the way it is. Now, this is, uh, this is not a topic that we haven't addressed before. But I think it's one of those topics that we need to be reminded of specifically. And because of our extended time, we won't get through this lesson today. I'm just letting you know right now. Don't let it be a shocker. Not that it will be. But forgiveness is such a vital thing to understand. God's forgiveness in your life. Your forgiveness of yourself. And how you forgive others is vital. Because I, in reality, I think it's one of the key bases of the Christian life. That if we don't understand this concept, that we don't understand this truth, we will be debilitated in our Christian life. That we will not be as successful or happy with our own Christian life. And what I want to do is I want to, I'm talking through how was Jesus a role model of this and how we can follow that same guidelines. And when you stand praying, okay, when you sit and you pray... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Now, I'm going to stop there before even moving on. This is the point. God is making something very specific and clear to each and every one of us who know Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ in here, and you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, say amen. amen. Okay, this lesson's for you. This lesson's for me. Okay? How you view forgiveness is vital to your personal relationship with God and with people. And he says, basically, if you stand, if you stand praying, if, you, if you're praying, and you have something against someone, forgive them. Why would he say that? Why would he make that an emphasis? Anyone? 
Because it hinders your relationship with him. It hinders your relationship with him. And let me maybe make it a, uh, say it a little bit harsher. You don't have a relationship with him in an intimate, personal way for him to hear your prayer when you are unwilling to forgive because so that your Father in Heaven may forgive you for your sins. In other words, God takes very seriously how we deal with people. Yeah, Mark. The picture that we're looking at, what better is forgiveness? Yeah. And that's what he did for us. What right do we have not to forgive someone else? Because he showed us by the cross of what forgiveness is. Absolutely. He showed us the example of what it was to forgive by doing that for us. And we will we'll see that throughout this lesson today. And that ultimately, if you are a follower of Jesus, how you forgive what is directly correlated to your relationship with God. What does it mean to forgive or to be forgiven? Okay. Now, I'm going I'm to say this. Uh, I have taught this. I believe this. This is not something that I even hesitate to think about. Because in my mind, I understand this completely, and yet I still struggle with it myself. I want to make that very clear. I still struggle with this myself. What do I mean by that? It's an accounting term meaning to cancel the debt. Okay? It's not something I've used that phrase in here before. How many of you have a financial debt? Anybody have a financial debt? You owe it on a car, a house, uh, something you owe something. Okay. Imagine, I've used it before, imagine going to the bank to make a payment on that item. And the teller looks back at you in this confused look on their face. And they go, I don't understand. Why are you giving me this check? Because I owe money. No, you don't. It is balanced out, zeroed out. You owe us nothing. How would you feel at that moment? Happy. Woohoo! I'm at the wrong bank. I'm at the wrong bank. <laughs> Something's wrong. Something's wrong. This, this isn't true. And, and, and this reality is, is that we have this attitude regarding debt. Is that it's like even for example? I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, and I know you know we felt the same way. Uh, some friends will go out to dinner with friends, and they may pay our dinner, we may pay their dinner, and they'll go next time it's ours. Why do people say that? Because they feel like there's a what? Yeah. There's a debt. How you owe me? That, but that's not. Most of the time, people don't take somebody out to dinner because they go, okay, now you owe me a dinner. I hope that's never in anyone's mind when you do that, right? You take them out for dinner because you just want to be a blessing to them. Or you may see somebody and you go, I'll take care of their bill. And they come up and it's like, hey, who was that? Well, it was that the guy, oh, that was that. So nice of them. You know, hey, we, got, we owe you. No, you don't. Okay? This is forgiveness. It's canceled. The debt is over. Now, let me ask this question. I don't want to see any hands raised. 
But when you have sinned, let's say in the past month, because I know you don't sin every day, right? <laughs> Do you wonder about the forgiveness of God, whether he still forgives you? Do you ever question whether God has truly forgiven you? And how he feels about your sin? Is he done with you? I know I felt that way before. As a follower of Christ who taught this. I know it in my head, but I sometimes struggle with it in my heart. And yet, this lesson today is all about this understanding that when God says, you are forgiven, your debt has been paid in full. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness. Amen? I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Chuck Swindoll made a great statement regarding this. You're, now ready for this, you are as righteous, if you know Christ, you're as righteous right now as you will ever be. There is nothing you can do to make yourself more righteous. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself less righteous. Because it's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. And that's why he says, if that wasn't the case, the Bible would have to be changed. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be like pink. Is that what it says? No. You'll be as white as snow. Now, understand, that doesn't give us the right to go, woo, because people did. Christians in Rome thought, this is great. I've got freedom in Jesus. Now I can sin all I want so that God's grace can increase. It's like, this is cool. I can sin, and I'm forgiven, and it's all good. No, Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? God forbid. How soon? You who have died to sin Live any longer in it In other words, Lou, don't live in sin anymore Live in the freedom you have in Christ Live in freedom But don't use it as an excuse to sin Don't go, hey, well, I, I, I'm saved So I can do anything I want to do That's unhealthy That's not the mind of Christ That is not what Christians think like That's not how Christians think But the idea is it is canceling the debt. It means the remission or elimination of punishment due to sinful conduct. I to deliver from the penalty of sin. In other words, there is not, God doesn't penalize you, punish you for sin. Okay? In other words, there's a difference between punishment and discipline. God disciplines those he loves. He doesn't punish them. So in other words, God's never ticked off at you. As a parent, you may have gotten ticked off at your child and disciplined them too harshly. I did. And I have to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I don't know. The rest of you may have been perfect parents, but I wasn't. And so, but what the idea was, it's not about punishment. It's about discipline. God is trying to bring us into a right relationship with himself. And when he disciplines us out of love, not out of wrath, out of anger, he, out of, but out of love, he's bringing us back into this fold. He's doing that intentionally. Okay? Now, again, 
we'll get into this, but as a reminder, that doesn't mean that when you're a follower of Christ, that you don't sin. That's why 1 John 1 8 is in the Bible. If we say, there are some Christians who believe that after I come to Christ, I never sin anymore. I don't sin. And 1 John 1 8 says, if you say that you have no sin, and 1 John was written to Christians, if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth isn't in you. Okay? That's why Pastor John can feel pretty confident this morning when he raised his hand and talked about the fact, you know, is there anybody here? You know, nobody's hands went up. Because we all have blown it. We've all sinned. After even becoming a follower of Christ. But 1 John 1 9 says if we confess it, okay? And confession, I love what Dr. Wilmington said. Confession just means you agree with God. That's it. I agree with God that what I did was wrong. If you confess your sin, he's faithful just to forgive you. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay. That doesn't mean at confession that you've made this internal understanding and application of, I'm never going to do this again. I'll never do it again because, okay, if you'll never do it again, then I'll forgive you. That's not God. What he's trying to get us to do is to humble ourselves and get to the place where we go, you know what? What I did was wrong. It was sin. Please forgive me. Now, there are lots of ramifications to this. and There's no way in a lesson like this that I can explain all of the ramifications. Okay? I can guarantee you there are implications to all of this that would, would come out in a counseling session with a great counselor, etc. There are many applications to this. And again, that doesn't mean that when you're forgiven that you are, are you know, that you forget. Or that there's not consequences to sin. There are all kinds of consequences to sin. God doesn't take away the consequences to sin in your life. Okay? And because of that, there's all kinds of things that will, will uh, bring up its head, if you will, and impact your life. In a biblical sense, it's based upon Jesus' sacrifice for humanity's sin. Okay? In other words, from a biblical perspective, forgiveness is based on what Jesus did for us. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals. It was a picture of ultimately what Jesus was going to do. 1 Peter 3.18 took away the need for the sacrifices for Christ also has once suffered for sin. He suffered for sin. It wasn't the animal had to suffer and die. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. He shed his blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He shed his blood so that we could be saved. It was a vicarious or substitutionary sacrifice. He took my place. I deserved it. But he said, no, 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 no. I'll take your place. I, you know, you can imagine how many people over the, the decades have made that comment. Your child gets sick, and you're thinking to yourself, if your child has cancer, Lord, take it away from them and give it to me. I'll take it for them. I'll take it for them. I'll, I'll, I'll take on that burden. I want to do that, but don't make them deal with that. Let me deal with this. And God, though, in his sovereignty allows things to occur, he's part of his plan ultimately that we may not understand this side of heaven. And that's the truth. We may not understand everything that happens this side of heaven. 
But we will, because we will know as we're known at that time. And God will illumine our minds and hearts and help us to go, that's why that happened. We may not understand it. But God gave us his son. He took my place so that ultimately I wouldn't have to go through that. I, when I die, it's not death. We go from life to life. Like that. Life to life. The idea of death has been stored. Oh, death, where is your? Oh, grave, where is your? Victory. You know, Jesus changed it all. It was propitiatory. God's wrath was satisfied. Now, this is hard. Um, someone read John 3.36 for me. Whoever believes that the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. We don't like the, the concept of the wrath of God. Do you believe God is holy? Yes. Do we believe God is holy? Yes. Can God's holiness tolerate sin? No. No. And let me just say, until a person comes to faith in Christ, they are under, like I was, the wrath of God. Does God hate me? No, God loves me. But because of my sin, the wrath of God is upon me. We don't like that concept. And, you know, I, I, I hear people all the time say, we're all God's children. Not if you read John. John chapter 1. Somebody got a Bible? You got a Bible? Would you go to John 1? Verses, I believe it is, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 12 and 13. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Does that make it pretty clear? Are we all God's children? No. No. Yeah. Um, Lou, how do you describe that verse? How do you tell that truth to uh, one of my relatives told me when they were missionaries in Japan, the Japanese are the nicest people in the world. Do anything. Give you their shirt off the sure. back. How do you tell those people this truth? It's the same way I wanted to tell Louise, my neighbor, who was the sweetest woman in the world. The and she made some great greens, by the way. And she knew how to do black-eyed peas and pinto beans. Oh, my word. Every time she made pinto beans, she goes, Luke, come on over. I got some beans. And sweetest lady in the world, nicest lady in the world. But I sat there at the table witnessing to her, she and her husband, tears coming down their face as a retired individual, both of them, nearly 70, they're in their late 60s at this time, tears coming down their face going, we're not ready yet, we have too much life to live. Good people, it's not about what you do, that's the key. 
It's not our goodness. See, what has to happen in any cultural setting is that you can't come to Christ until you're depraved and in need of Christ. You can't be saved until you understand you're lost. And that's the key. But the wonderful thing is this. You're not drawing them. It's not your words. The Holy Spirit will draw them through his word. It's what becomes powerful. So as you're building relationships with people in any cultural setting, when you begin sharing the word, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that will draw and helps them to understand. It illumines their mind and heart to go, <gasps> just like Tony and Marcia Howell, who've spoken in here before, and they're in Japan. And they are leading people to Christ in Japan, but they've been there for years. And that's what it takes. He just sent me a video this week of, of uh, two individuals being baptized because of that acceptance of, of Christ, that understanding. And they can't. They will come to understand that. But it's a huge barrier with family and all kinds of things. But they will understand. And they will come to know Christ. The Holy Spirit draws them to. And it's wonderful. See, God's wrath remains on people who are lost. Um, I, I don't like, I didn't like teaching this to my students this week, but I made it very clear. You see, here's a problem, folks, and this is important to understand. Let me ask this. Everyone listen. If, I, if you took the time to share the gospel with somebody, okay, they did not know Christ, and you shared the gospel with them, and they looked at you and said no. I don't want to accept Christ as my Savior. And they turned away. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry to see that. And they just, what are you thinking? They walk out into a street, bang! They get hit by a bus and die. What is, where do they go? Where do they go? Hell. But some people will look at this and go, wait a minute, no, no, no. People who've never heard the gospel before, God's wrath isn't on them. That, that's not fair. If, if they've never heard the gospel, God will still let them go to heaven. I even had a student say, you know, I think when a person dies and never heard about Jesus, on the way up, Jesus meets them. And they, this was a girl in my class a couple of years ago, and she said, and I believe that Jesus reveals himself to them and says, hey, I'm the Savior of the world. If you accept me as your Savior, you can go to heaven, but if you don't, you can go to hell. What do you choose? And I go, where do you find that? She goes, I don't find it anywhere. I just, that, that's what I think it is. And I said, okay, well, let, let's just, for argument's sake, let's, let's say it this way. Let's say this is, um, uh, let's say one of you, anyone who would want to be a volunteer, you don't have to come up, just who will be a volunteer. All right, Mike, Mike, let's just say, and I know this would be like, are you kidding me? But nevertheless, let's just say you go home tonight and you go, family, God has called us to go to an unreached people group. And I want to take our family there to, to win them to Christ. I'm good with languages. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I think God, this is what God wants us to do. And you go to a unreached people group. Your whole family. And surprisingly, they don't kill you. And you live with that tribe for seven years. And your family learns the tribal language. They learn everything about the, and you give them the gift, the knowledge that you have, and you actually help them. 
They can produce better crops. They can be more healthy. They can, they can survive disease maybe better because of their knowledge, etc. Seven years in, you go to the witch doctor of this tribe, the spiritual leader of the tribe, and give, ask permission to share the, the God in whom you trust in. And because of your kindness for the last seven years, you have permission to do so. And this group right here is the tribe. We are the tribe. And Mike gets up and shares the truth about God who sent his son Jesus. And in, your own, in their own history, they have it in their history that God loved them and, and God was moving at them. But somewhere along the way, they rejected him. And have chosen their own path. And they're following and worshiping other things like the sun or the earth or whatever. And I'm here to cry to you that Jesus, his son, is the savior of the world. And he preaches the gospel. And I'm just going to, for, for argument's sake, I'm going to say this group here rejects Jesus. And this group over here says yes to Jesus. Okay? And they accept Christ as their savior. That evening, a rival tribe comes in and kills us all. Kills every one of us. Where do these people go? Hell. Where do these people go? And I stopped and I said, how much, if, if, if a person can go to heaven, if they've never heard of Jesus, how much do you have to hate them to tell them about Jesus? Mike, sorry, shame on you. You just sent these people to hell for witnessing to them. But the problem is, that's not biblical. World evangelization isn't a good thing. It's a necessity. If people don't accept Jesus as their Savior, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten Son, that Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you look through the scriptures, what does it take for a person to receive Christ, to be saved, to go to heaven? Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say, hey, chill out. They're going to be saved. Don't tell them. In fact, the best thing, if that was true, if a person who never hears about Jesus goes to heaven, the best thing we can do is to bring home every single missionary, shut down every single church, burn every Bible and Christian book in the world, so that every person from our generation on would be saved. That's not true. It's not biblical. And forgiveness can be received when the person receives the Lord. But until then, the wrath of God is on them. Let me tell you this. God's wrath is upon every human being on this earth who doesn't know Jesus. Do you believe that? Mike. So I've had that discussion with people as well, and the thing that I've told them is a couple things. Number one, the Bible says that God wrote his law in everybody's heart. So everybody knows that there was wrong. The Bible also says that those who haven't heard of Jesus that or 
and we'll pick this up next week. Let's pray. Father, this is such an important topic. May we understand forgiveness in our own personal lives and in how we live our lives with others. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our visitors who took a risk coming here today, and I pray that they will they felt welcome and encouraged. God, may it be your Holy Spirit and your word that really impacts their life today. God, thank you for our faithful members who come here each week, and I pray for those that are away from us, many who are sick, many who are dealing with issues, many who are traveling, and I pray your, your protection over them. Bring them all back to us again next week, and we'll be grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.